Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Uriel Ohayan. He is a crypto CEO and writer. This is Technotopia. Hey, Technotopia listeners, have I got a story for you. Let's go back to 2014. Two researchers are tinkering with a design for a security robot that will patrol your house and guard your stuff when you're not around. But there was a problem. It wasn't all that much the robot could do to stop an intruder. So rather than simply halt development, the two researchers decided to pivot. And by doing so, they realized they had a device that would create a whole new category in robotics. That story is a sneak peek into the robotics episode of a podcast I just started listening to and I love. It's called Trailblazers from Dell Technologies. This podcast is so good. It's hosted by best-selling author Walter Isaacson. And Isaacson has been one of my favorite authors and thinkers. And he's been writing about technology for decades. In his new podcast, he explores stories of disruption peppered in with insights and lessons from trailblazing guests. To listen to it, I want you to search Trailblazers on your favorite podcast app or stream it on DellTechnologies.com slash Trailblazers. That's DellTechnologies.com slash Trailblazers. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Uriel Ohayon. Uh, he's CEO of Codename Django. Codename Django sounds like a uh, like a spy novel. Oriel, welcome. <laughs> Hi, John. Nice to talk to you. Are you? Is it? Is it like a? Is it a secret weapon? What are you guys going to do with this codename Django? <laughs> it's a temporary name until we reveal the full one. We've been working uh, one year. It's a new crypto service that we're building, and uh, we'll release it this year. And we're keeping the mystery around it. And as you said, it's kind of a suspense type of title it's like does, a movie but, but does anybody know about it except for you and your your team or is it like uh it, it's not it's not a it's not a super secret if nobody knows about it yet no it's actually we we have a temporary website and we already gave a hint about the problem we're trying to solve it's uh, going to be a new generation of custody service for crypto assets it's a way to better store and mm-hmm. manage your crypto assets with more security and a lot better user experience so this we disclose but that's all we say for now okay okay all right so i've known you since i believe we used to take baths together as children uh in uh, TechCrunch. <laughs> uh right. so you most recently got into crypto why are you into why are you so into crypto uh i came very late to it i mean i, I know as you know because of my you know early tech crunch dna and you know my personal <laughs> experience with the internet i've always been an early adopter of everything and for some reason i came late to that uh it's always been on my radar but uh it already it, it only came very late that i discovered actually not bitcoin but ethereum and for me that was the eye-opener because for the first time I discovered that you could build apps that uh, were basically unstoppable. And I've been trained all my life to build apps for platforms, you know, for for Apple and others, you know, in my prior entrepreneurial life, or mm-hmm. even as a venture capitalist, I've been funding a few companies in those ecosystems. And, and I've been seeing firsthand that it's really, really hard to build something that's sustainable when you can be stopped. And for me, when I first discovered Ethereum, that was actually about two years ago, was the eye-opener. And since then, I've, I've been able to think about anything else. So now I'm 100% into it. And the reason I'm, I'm so into it is because I think this is uh, the beginning uh, of a new era of internet, of sorts of infrastructure of applications that will be built. We're still in the very early days. But I want to be part of that wave. So I decided to invest 100% of my time in it. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting point. So 
you had been building apps, you'd been building things for mobile platforms for for years, and then you decide that it's a it's a better idea to build a system that what that is is undamageable, I guess is the answer. Well, the, the, it can be damaged because, you know, the, the human factor makes it that you can always code things that don't work. But, you know, in theory, once you have something that is distributed and that is not centralized, you have a, a system that is more resilient, is more resilient to attacks. It's more resilient to rules changes. It's more resilient to uh, even microeconomic factors that you can't control. So the fact that you are building this new infrastructure upon which your your service is going to be built gives you a, a serious long-term advantage if you're here for the long run and without you know having to be worried about short-term changes. And we've seen that over and over again in all sorts of platforms, whether this is Twitter, whether this is Facebook, whether this is Apple, whether this is Google, they change worlds all the time, sometimes for good reason, because they want to comply with the law, sometimes for bad reasons, or I would say bad reasons, but for their own reason, because they want to promote a certain agenda that is good for their company, but not necessarily aligned with the developers that surround them. And so it's very dangerous and very risky to build a business like that. It's very hard to do that. And so for the first time, you have a, a new set of rules that enable you to think about the app that you want to build without having to be worried about the short-term implications about how these, those networks are being built. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very important change. Hmm. Okay. So what does uh, what does crypto look like in the next uh, next decade? Uh, first off, what about the price? People are pretty excited about the price, and I always tell them that the price goes up and sometimes it goes down. But uh, is there anything that you can answer? Give us give us some insight on that right now. Well, I, uh, right now, we, you know, no one is able to predict two days ahead. So you're asking me to predict ten years is going to be tough. But right now, it doesn't look too good. I mean, I think we're seeing we are in a very confirmed bear period where investors are uncertain and uh, unable to become optimistic. So from time to time, and the SEC make a declaration that Bitcoin and Ether are not securities, even though this is not fully confirmed yet, or when you have some sort of giant institution that declare they have set up a small lab and things like that. But overall, the temperature is pretty low, and you've had a lot of investors that came up to crypto last year, you know, in a very voracious way and suddenly discovered that it's going to take a long time for things to be built, for things to be delivered. And so the hope that, you know, multipliers will apply months over months is not there. And so you have a lot of people that are losing patience right now, that are selling off and that are offloading a lot of their assets. Uh, institutional money, that was the hope for 2018. Uh, to come over and save the crypto world <laughs> is not happening because institutions, well, guess what? They, re they require clearer, stable regulations that are not happening yet because guess what? Regulators move slow. Mm -hmm. So we don't have this new fresh money coming to the space. Um, and so the, that drives a market that is very not optimistic. I think it's likely to stay that way probably the whole year. And uh, the good news, though, is that the energy invested in the space, the amount of capital invested in new projects, the amount of um, people and quality people investing time in those projects is just increasing. And so history proves that when uh, energy goes in a direction, 
at some point the value is created and you know the economic value goes up so i would i would anticipate that things are going to change drastically a year from now especially when regulators will start to take positions and so if you ask me you know 10 years from now i, w- I wouldn't be able to predict any sort of very clear price or any clear you know <laughs> you know any clear mm-hmm. price for certain <clears throat> assets but i would be, i would say though that i do believe that a substantial part of the economy of our economies will be built on blockchain services i'm n- nearly convinced that at some point central banks uh, will use blockchain technologies or even constitute reserves in blockchain assets uh, and that at some point that a, a substantial part of current economy and new economies and services will will be used only in crypto services so you can imagine that the outstanding you know value that's been going to be created trillions and trillions of dollars that will take a long time this will take a decade maybe a few decades for that to happen but it's there is no doubt that this will happen because it's just a logical next step for the history of the economy right we went through several steps of waves where you know trust was given to central entities and we discovered that central entities cannot be trusted in the way they've been trusted until now because while the technology has not helped breaches of confidence, breaches of technology, breaches of security. And so people want something else. And you have a vast amount of the economy in the world that is not powered or cannot be powered by the typical institutions that we know in developed countries. Banking Mm -hmm. systems are failed or are not in place in in the majority of the world. So they need a better economic foundation. And I believe um, blockchain services can provide that for them too. So I I think all that is going to be unleashed is going to take uh, many many years, I would say for now, uh, you know, you ha- you have to you have to expect you know bearish year to to remain. It's not going to change anytime soon, and so if people are here for short term games, it's not going to happen. So people who are investing in the space should be patient, and hopefully things will change. You know, and will change the same way the internet changed for you know in the early days. If you were there, I I know you were there. Yep. Things looked very, very bad. You know, the internet connected very slow. The internet subscriptions were super expensive. We had to use CD-ROMs to connect to the internet. Computers were black and white and things of that nature. And look where we are today. So try to project a little more, a little bit of imagination and hope. And things are going to be tremendously better, I would say, a few years from now. But we're not there yet. So that's an actually interesting point where the the idea that we're uh that we're waiting for a better blockchain to come but we weren't really waiting for a better internet we just didn't understand but i guess there are plenty of people out there who were who knew that there was a better internet they already had basically ethernet and a few other things uh arpanet all connected um what are some signs and signals that you know that it's that things are getting better right well, uh, it's. I would say the first my my thermometer for me is the amount of developer energy invested in those projects. So if you're looking at the core protocol levels, right? So everyone is trying to build a Bitcoin or Ethereum killer, um, you know, for good or bad reasons. I don't know if anything will come out of that. But when you have so much developer juice invested in solving very complex problems, at some point it pays off. So we don't know if the next Google has already been built or is going to be built, but it's it's it will be built in it will be built in the next years for sure. And because when you have so many brains and talented developers investing so much of their time in trying to solve decentralization, 
in trying to solve governance, in trying to solve scalability, in trying to solve privacy, and all of that at the same time, you know, usually people finish by cracking it. It's just that we are in the early days. So looking back, we are 10 years in blockchain, more or, more or less, more since the Natashi, Satoshi Nakamoto white paper came out. Mm-hmm. And so um, what we have right now is two dominant blockchains, you know, um, Bitcoin, of course, and its, its variants, and Ethereum, and uh, let's call you know, ERC-20, the tokens, its variants, and a bunch of other blockchains that are kind of raising or, or kind of, you know, establishing themselves, plus a, a new set of candidates that are coming to the market. So all of them are trying to bring different flavors to how decentralization uh, of value can be, can be created and should be maintained. And so what we know right now is that the only one that has been able to sustain itself during, you know, 10 years is basically Bitcoin, right? It's the only one that has been Unable to be breached or to be attacked, you know, the famous 51% attack. Mm-hmm. And security is definitely the first parameter by which any type of blockchain should be measured before scalability and before cost and before everything else. So for now, it's the only candidate that has been able to sustain the test of time. Um, it will require a lot more time to know if others will be able to. Um, Ethereum is very promising because there is a vast amount of developer energy and services being built on top of Ethereum to make it the platforms of choice for smart contract. So you you know you obviously have all these ICOs and all those dApps or dApps as you want to call them being built, uh, but you have also competing blockchains that are out there, you know, kind of selling the same value proposition like EOS, uh, a new one called Zilliqa uh, mm-hmm. that is proposing sharding. Uh, you have, you know, uh, Neo and now Ontology that are also rising up very, very quickly. And so um, it's it's really hard to say if which one of them will be there in 10 years. It's very likely to, to imagine a world where there will be multiple blockchains that are solving different type of needs and for different type of services and different type of um, functionalities. Uh, right now, it's difficult to say which one is going to be like. You know, 20 years ago, who would have said that, you know, the most search and used search engine would have been Google and social network, Facebook, no one, even in the early days of those two services. Mm-hmm. So I guess right now, what we have to do is just like looking how the space evolves. The For me, the interesting thing to never, never forget, and, you know, that's really making me convinced that it's not going to go away, is the amount of developer energy involved. Like when you look at the GitHub, uh, commits being pushed every day. When you look at all this open source code being pushed out every day, when you're looking at all those white paper, yellow papers, gray papers, whatever you want to call them, uh, being pushed out on a, on a very frequent basis, something must come out out of that. You know, th- there's no way something better is not going to come out of that. So I'm optimistic for that reason, and um, I also believe that you know large players are starting to get it. Uh, I think you know government even though some of them are still resisting, are starting to understand the virtues of having something that is also competing with typical monetary system. And they are also starting to understand that centralization is not necessarily the answer to everything. Um, Banks and insurance and pension funds are understanding it too. So I I think, you know, there is an education process we need to go through and, you know, it will take several years, but I think at the end of the day, everyone will be pretty much aligned. So last question, I think this is going to be, this is going to be an interesting one. So, so I was talking with this guy, um, 
taxi the other day and he was arguing that everything that blockchain can do uh it can already be done so like uh any databases any almost everything that, that you could basically do on a blockchain uh what's what's a very specific implementation of blockchain that can't be done anywhere else so it's true blockchains are basically glorified databases and you know a ledger and you know, people like to use this term it's just another set of uh, zero and one in a in a in a table <laughs> and they are sophisticatedly arranged there but it's just a database so i think the number one property of a blockchain uh, and that has been proved over and over again with Bitcoin is the absence of uh, censorship. So what's called censorship resistance. The fact that you cannot stop, you don't need permission. You don't need to ask permission for executing some sort of transaction. And if you think about it in the, in the financial world as we know it today, you, you, uh, you, always ask, you always have to ask for permission. You cannot, even when you're using something that seems like trivial, like PayPal or Venmo, you are giving, uh, you know, a consent, or you are given a consent by the system to use to sending some money. And if something was wrong, well, PayPal or Venmo could refuse that that sure. transaction. So with 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 crypto and you know, especially with Bitcoin, censorship resistance is the first quality because things cannot be stopped. You don't need to ask permission, and no one, no one under any circumstances, including you know, technical and, and even even legal uh, could could stop you from doing that. I mean, you could put yourself in a bad situation if you're in China, because now, you know, you know, basically in China, you cannot do anything with crypto. But basically, if you want to do it, you can do it. So um, so that's, I think, the first thing. And, and the reason it matters is because from the moment you don't need to ask permission, you're creating a whole new set of possibilities that were not possible before. And you are giving power to people that did not have power. Uh, we are living in comfortable countries where we have a rather, you know, with all its problems, stable economies. But, you know, if you go to countries like, uh, for example, you know, Venezuela, Argentina, or some countries in Africa, or some, even some countries in Asia, they have a very unreliable political and economical system. Their banking system has completely failed. Mm -hmm. Their inflation is completely going through the roof. And their monetary system is just unusable and, and unreliable. So crypto for them, is not just a decoration or something nice to think about. Uh, it's really, um, it's became the alternative to what they need for their economy to live. So, and, and, and no one can stop them from using that. And that's important stuff, no matter how much a government can be repressive, how much organization wants to stop you, they cannot stop that. So, so the, your taxi driver next time you see it, I should understand that it's not just a set of database yep. and, and rules, but that really enabling to give the giving back power to people who need them. Okay, very cool. All right. Uh, so you're working on uh, Codename Django, right? Uh, is there That's anywhere right. else can, where people can find out what you've been working on? Uh, so so far, not too much because I'm uh, trying to keep uh, to keep low profile until we come out. But I think the best way to to know what I think about on crypto and pretty vocal about it is either on Twitter. At uh, you know, if you know if you share it in show notes, but mm -hmm. it's at Riel Ohion, and uh, also on Medium where I write from time to time. Um, it's also Medium and dot com slash at Riel Ohion. All right, very cool. Thank you, Riel, for joining us on Techtopia. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. 
Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com Technotopia is presented by your host, John Biggs. It was produced by Rick Barr of Bar26 Entertainment at ricksvoice.com. It appears every Friday at noon, and we're always looking to talk to interesting people. Tweet at John Biggs if you'd like to join us on the show.